Swamiji, I'd like to ask you about the right attitudes in which to live. For example, many people have a fear of death. How does one overcome that? Well, the right attitude means so many different things that fear of death is only one example. But I would say for fear of death, um, really read books on the subject of people who have had near-death experiences, people who have been able to communicate from the astral world. There are several books like that that are very interesting. All of them say that when you die, whatever pain you've been feeling physically is gone completely. There's no pain in the astral body, no physical pain. So there's nothing to be afraid of. It's really only like passing from one room to the next. But basically speaking, to get the right attitude, we have to understand what the realities are. We are not this ego, we are not this body, we are the soul manifesting. The ego is the soul attached to the body. And we have to get rid of that attachment to realize that it is everywhere. Like I mentioned some programs ago, when I was having a, a dental operation, and I don't take Novocaine, but this one time there was quite a lot of pain involved, and I couldn't um, rise above it very easily. So I told myself, this body is not my reality. I, my reality is much larger than that. So I felt that my consciousness was was expanded over the whole countryside and what was happening to this little body was just a small part of what was happening. And as a result, I could take it quite easily. And uh, I remember the dentist perspiring with sympathetic pain, but I, I just didn't bother me. We have to have an attitude that is not ego-centered. And that means to be, uh, and another way to understand the right attitude is to look at the results of the attitude. If your attitude is re resentful, you feel unhappy, and things, you put out the kind of magnetism to draw things that you'll resent even more. Mm -hmm. Remember, your attitude is a magnetic force. And what you attract depends on how you look at the world. If you have courage, if you have positive expectation, if you expect to be lucky, you will attract luck. If you expect to be unhappy and miserable and so on, you will attract misery. So wrong attitude is wrong, not only because it makes you unhappy, but because it attracts to itself the very things that make you that way. In other words, every attitude is its own self-reinforcing um, magnet. If you are negative, you become more negative and life will treat you in such a way as to justify your negativity. And it will seem right, this is the only possible way. I remember one time, I was very young on the path, I was 22, and I fell suddenly into a mood. And in that mood I had this feeling that everybody's out to get me and this world is no good and nobody loves anybody and uh, all those things that come when the mind is down. And I remember, um, I asked my mind, do you like being like this? 
and my mental citizen, you might say, said, no, we don't like being like this. <laughs> so I thought, well, boys, what are we going to do about it? And so I said, all right, let me just sit down and put my mind here, which is where you concentrate at the point between the eyebrows when you meditate. Five minutes is all it took. When I changed my level of consciousness, suddenly I saw all the reasons why naturally people are this way. Basically, people want other people's welfare. The world is really just a place to uh, accomplish what you have to accomplish, and nobody's out to get you. And uh, just completely different attitude, just because I had changed my level of consciousness. So what is the right attitude? It will come to you when you raise your level of consciousness. So Swami, it's not just positive thinking. Is positive thinking part of it? Yes, that's a part of it. I think that it's more than that. Um, I think if we, if we relate positive thinking to the level of consciousness in the spine, really the whole spiritual path takes place in the spine. This is why yoga is so important, because it deals with the spine and raising the energy in the spine. But people whose energy is lower in the spine think low thoughts. Mm. When your energy rises, you can't think those thoughts. They just don't come to you. Mm. you, don't, you it, people whose consciousness is low, they use dirty words, they use low words. When it rises, they automatically don't their whole outlook on life becomes positive. So it's not as if you had to grimly affirm positive <laughs> attitude. Change your level of consciousness, realize that you're a child of God, and that He does love you, and He loves everybody. But all this comes from changing your consciousness. The heart is the main pivotal point. The heart is where your feelings are centered. And we must learn to calm the feelings and direct them upward. When the feelings from the heart go up toward the head, then everything comes smoothly. Swamiji, how does one overcome an attitude of judgment? There's a difference between discrimination and judgment, but the mind wants to make uh, judgments about everything. I know, it sees. I mean, you don't have to tell me. That's human <laughs> nature. We have to overcome that quality. First of all, it's not our business. Everybody has a right to progress at his own rate. So that you see somebody who's doing everything wrong. It's his business. You must try to help raise him. As long as he is on a particular level of consciousness, that's how he'll act. He can't help it. So instead of judging him, which tends to push him downward, try to help him, try to raise him up. And this way, if you're forgiving, if you're kind, if you're supportive, you'll encourage him and help him to raise his consciousness. Really, other people's actions are not our business. If they want to err, it should not bother us. But when we judge other people, then we center our minds in what they're doing, and that pulls our minds down. So we should never judge anybody. Let them be what they are. It's a long path to perfection. It takes many lifetimes, and there should not be a breath of judgment in seeing all the wrongs in this world. I know that 
even the worst mafioso, the worst criminal, everybody is seeking bliss. They just don't know it. Mm -hmm. They think that they're, they're finding happiness and fulfillment and revenge in killing, in hurting, in whatever it might be. Really what they want is bliss. They just haven't learned that lesson yet. When you have that understanding, you can't help loving everybody. Because you see, they're all trying to go in that same direction. Everybody has this deeply innocent desire which he has turned in the wrong direction. Swamiji, it seems that by serving others, we become purified in all these other attitudes. When you serve others, you're not serving yourself. And so to serve others means to expand your sense of identity. To expand your sense of identity is to weaken the grip that ego has on you. But service should be a giving, a free giving. It should not be forcing people to do the right thing. Mm. And that's where I'm against peace marches and things like that. Mm. I believe in peace, but I don't see any point in marching about it and getting angry about it. I mean, I'm losing my peace and getting angry about it. <laughs> so I'd rather be peaceful than shout and tell every, everybody else to be peaceful. Swami, how to discriminate uh, where one what focus one service should have? I think that which gives you a sense of fulfillment. For example, why do some people become doctors? I suspect it's because they have suffered physically in the past. And so they naturally want to help people in the way they have suffered. I suffered mentally, spiritually, so I want to help people to overcome their doubts. Somebody who is a psychiatrist may, be, may have gone through madness. In fact, some psychiatrists seem still mad to me. <laughs> but uh, in, in whatever way you have suffered, somebody who is starved to death may want to give people food. So it depends on the individual. But that which helps you to feel empathy with other people and to help them to achieve more fulfillment themselves, that's the kind of service you should give. You have to know yourself then and go deep into what would fulfill your own heart. I think that's true. In fact, when people are starting out in life, I think one question that they should ask themselves is, how, what do I want to help other people to be or to know, to accomplish? Um, these memories are with us. I know when I was seven, my parents corrected something I'd written for school. I said too many, they said I used, used too many ands. You know, children are and this, and this, and this. <laughs> I knew they were right. <laughs> and yet there was this thought in my mind who is anyone to tell me how to write? <laughs> That's because I must have been a writer in the past and perhaps a successful one. And uh, I, I didn't express that thought because I knew they were right. But it surprised me that it came so instinctively. You can tell the first six years of a child's life, often the tendencies from the past become strongest that, at that time. And uh, you can help children to grow in the right way if you look at that and see that this is a natural line of development that they have. Writing is the way that I can help people. 
And so it's a good thing. But then I used to want to be a playwright, and I thought, well, I don't know truth. Why should I flood the world with my ignorance? So I gave it up. I didn't really take up the pen again until I could share truth with people as I understood it. So I'd say, whatever talent you have, use it in the highest way that comes to you. That will be the most fulfilling. We need to, we need to think in terms of what will make us feel happiest, what will make us feel most fulfilled. Ultimately, moral values are not what society insists or family insists or religion insists. They're what give you the greatest sense of fulfillment. From that level you can grow. And from abstract rules, they don't mean anything to you. So what you feel in your heart will give you fulfillment. Do that.